was a good friend of mine. Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Joining me in our studio today is my co-pilot, Lil Barron. Hi, Lil, I'm back again. <laughs> so glad that you are. <laughs> me too. It's good to see you. Everything going okay? Yes. Good, right. Good. So today, Lil, I think one of the words that we most often use, one of the phrases that's kind of used when we talk about health and wellness, especially and particularly when we're talking about weight loss, mm -hmm. is metabolism. Oh, yes. You've used that word before. Ah, uh, yes. I've used that word before. We've all used it, right? I've bemoaned my slowing metabolism <laughs> as I get a little bit older. I think we've all felt uh -huh. that way. But to be honest, I was thinking the other day about some of my health and wellness goals and the things that I wanted to accomplish. And I realized I didn't really know what metabolism was really i mean i have i have a basic kind of understanding idea of what i think that it is but today, i know i want a high one yeah you want a fast one yes right? yes today i want to talk a little bit about metabolism what it is and then maybe a handful of things that we can do to boost oh, our metabolism that good hopefully maybe will be helpful to all of us this is all according to the healthy.com okay? okay you ready i'm ready so to start it off metabolism is basically a catch-all phrase for all the chemical and physical processes in the body that are necessary to maintain life oh so specifically your body extracts energy from food mm -hmm. and then we all use that energy to live we use it to breathe to circulate our blood to move our muscles all that good stuff oh. so it's the the uh, the act of i guess pulling the energy from the food and then uh, allowing that to allow us to live our lives and do mm -hmm. the things that we want to do there's a connection between metabolism and our weight, which is what we mo most of us think about. I've heard right? that yeah. <laughs> a couple of times. And because of that connection, most of us want to have a efficiently working metabolism. Is yes. that fair to say? Yes, very fair. So a few things that we can all do to boost that efficiency. And Lil, I'm going to bet that these things are things that you probably haven't thought of. Okay, because I'm going to take notes. Yeah, I mean, I think... We all want to take notes yes. on this one. And, and, I, and let's just be honest. When we think about metabolism, we're always thinking about diet and exercise. Right. And those are quintessential. You can't, you can't do without those. You got to have diet and exercise. Right. Those are important right. things. I want to share some things that are maybe less thought of. Okay. okay. So the first one, and I like this one. Okay. Um, are you a toe tapper? I you am. you shake your leg? I do. Twid, twid, I do. twist your pens and Yes, fidget. I'm terrible. Okay, so I do that too. And guess what? What? The experts say that you shouldn't stifle that. Really? Just do it. Just go for it. All these little movements can actually bolster your metabolism. Oh, Isn't that great? It is, but apparently I'm not doing it enough. <laughs> maybe, you need to, maybe you need to fidget a little bit more like we all need to. Here's what they found. Fidgeters can burn more calories each day without even thinking about it. So according to a 2018 review in the Journal of Exercise, Nutrition, and Biochemistry, they found that obesity was linked to lower levels of what they call non-exercise activity thermogenesis, or NEAT. How's that for an wow, acronym? Yeah. Non-exercise activity thermogenesis. That's just our stuff that we do that we don't think about, our non-exercise movements. Huh. People who have higher rates of non-exercise movements, those, those you know, you bounce yeah. on your knee, uh, you're, you're fidgeting with your pencil, whatever it is. Do people try to stop you doing that? Oh, all the time. I know. I'm going to slap time. them now. Exactly. When I bother people <laughs> with that, and really in particular when I bother one person <laughs> with that, <laughs> yes. my answer has always been, and you could ask, my wife Mindy has always uh -huh. been, this is part of my weight loss plan. Oh. And she rolls her eyes, you know. <laughs> 
But I'm happy to know that I was, I was right all along. Even all though along. I had no idea, I'm happy to know that I was right all along. Well, I'm going to start using that. There you go. There you go. Number two is sleep. Oh. We talk about sleep so much on this show. Man, yeah. it is so important to what we do. When it comes to your metabolism, sleep is like a reset button. Mm. And frankly, sleep is a reset button for so many of yeah. our body processes, right? Yeah. So if you're constantly interrupted by snoring or sleep apnea or whatever it is, then you're missing out on some of the calorie burning benefits. That's according to Dr. Bindaya Gandhi, who is a family medicine doctor in Decatur, Georgia. Uh, to fix the bad sleep, it might be just as simple as using a breathing strip on your nose if snoring is your problem or adjusting your sleeping position. But regardless of it, whether it's snoring or, or you have other problems, you got to get your sleep. We got to have enough sleep. That's going to reset our metabolism. I like that. Yeah, it's a good one, right? Here's another one that I think you'll like. Okay. If you want to speed up your metabolism, you could curl up on the couch and watch your favorite movie. Uh-uh, really? Yeah, really. It's true. Here's why. Right? I should be thin. So... so <laughs> So counterintuitive. But the thing is, is that if you're totally relaxed, then yes, you can sit down on the couch and watch a movie. Stress increases the level of the hormone cortisol, oh. which can cause metabolic dysfunction. Mm. That's again, according to Dr. Gandhi, the cure is to do something that will help you completely de-stress. So taking a long bath or walking outside, reading a book, those are all good options, ways oh. that we can reduce our stress. But if your favorite thing is to sit on the couch and watch a Netflix movie, then that's okay too, as long as you're oh, you know, like reducing that. your stress. And it, that can't be the only thing that you do, right? <laughs> right, damn it. <laughs> you can't just only sit on the couch and watch movies. But if that's a way for you to de-stress, then you should feel comfortable doing that. Great. And here's the last one. Okay. Uh, number four, they say that we need to FaceTime a friend in real life. Really? And you know, here we're kind of coming out of yes. some of the restrictions. And I know that different places have different restrictions and things like that. So it's a work in progress. But in today's world, it's easy to get lost in the online world of social media and take your real life face-to-face -face relationships for granted. But really face-to-face -face time with friends and family has a ton of mental and physical health benefits that can tack on years to your life. And it also can help keep your metabolism doing its job. So, you know, even as we're trying to come out of some of the social distancing, um, we want to do it carefully and, you know, smart. Right. We want to be wise about it. But man, as soon as we're able to start interacting with people, even as out of practice as we may be, <laughs> yes. we, we need to start uh, doing that when we can. But you know, through all of this, people have gained weight. I think that's why. Because we it were- It must be. It was. It wasn't because we ate a lot. <laughs> it had nothing to do with our diets, right? <laughs> Lil, today's guest is Mike Miller, who is the regional manager for the Alzheimer's Association and a regular on the Active Life. Yes. We always love having Mike with us. Yes. I've learned about as much from Mike as I have really anywhere or from anyone about cognitive health. Right. Mike works with volunteers and healthcare professionals. Uh, they offer care and support for anyone affected by Alzheimer's disease and other dementia. They try to increase awareness and raise funds for research and programs. And we're just excited to have Mike back yes, on the show are. with us today. How are you doing, Mike? Hey, I'm doing great. Good to see you, Kyle, and good to be with you too, Lil. Yes. Yeah, we, again, we just love having Mike on the show. He yeah. brings so much good information. Um, today, we want to continue our discussion. We've actually had several opportunities to visit with Mike about Alzheimer's and dementia and some of the research that's going on and some of the things that we can do and need to do to avoid this devastating disease. 
um, we're going to continue that discussion today, Mike. And um, once again, we're just excited and, and pleased to have you with us. Uh, Can you outdo Lane on a couch watching Netflix? <laughs> that's what I want to know. That's, that was impressive. <laughs> I was waiting to hear if red vines and popcorn were part of that dynamic uh, somewhere. <laughs> Well, we know that uh, we're, we're at the end of May. We know that coming up in June is Alzheimer's uh, and Brain Awareness Month. Um, let's talk about that, Mike. Why, why do we need a month for it? And what's the importance of, of having that and kind of setting the month aside? Well, terrific. I, uh, I, I like this topic. It helps bring awareness to our brain, the most important uh, organ in our body. And we use this... Uh, this month to heighten awareness, bring up new dynamics for people to think about, and uh, just get people to maybe reset their goals for the year and uh, figure out a new plan of action to keep their brains healthy for the rest of the year. Well, and, and really, I mean, for the rest of our lives, right? right. Because yes. that's what it's all about, you know, is, is understanding. So, so give us some statistics on where we're at with Alzheimer's and how prevalent is it? How how is it affecting people? Just bring us up to speed on, on what we know about it. Sure. And, um, you know, I start out with the overall comment that Alzheimer's is a type of dementia. And uh, what that means is, like cancer, there are many types of cancer, there are many types of dementia. But Alzheimer's make up about 60 to 80% of the dementia cases. And it affects your memory, your thinking behavior and your ability to perform everyday activities. So that's pretty important. Mm -hmm. All important stuff. And man, 60 to 80%, that's wow. a big one. It's a big number. And um, what your listeners may not realize is that one in 10 adults, 65 and older, have Alzheimer's dementia. That's wow. uh, another huge number. And it's the only leading cause of death that's still on the rise. Now, so I saw that stat, Mike, and that's... It, it, it's scary and fascinating to me at the same mm -hmm. time. So, so many other things that uh, we're working with, we're making progress on heart disease, diabetes, um, exactly. lung cancer, all those things we're working on. And there's still problems that we got to keep working on for yep. sure. Right. But man, that's a little bit scary and a little disappointing to think that Alzheimer's is on the rise where all these others are on their way down. Right. And so then you look at a couple of other facts, one being that, only one in four cases of Alzheimer's is diagnosed. So there's a lot of people out there that don't know that they have Alzheimer's at this time. Yeah. That's a little scary. Mm -hmm. um, two thirds of those with Alzheimer's are women. Oh, that's another yes. big one, isn't it? It's yeah. just, it's unfair when it comes to uh, distribution among the genders. Mm -hmm. Women are hit harder by Alzheimer's. Yes, and um, there's a lot of comorbidity that comes into play too with about 30% of those with Alzheimer's also having heart disease or diabetes. So that tells me that it's a holistic issue. You know, if you keep your body healthy, your brain's going to be healthy and you're going to have a longer, more high quality life. And I think that's what we're all trying to accomplish, uh, particularly those uh, listening in today. Absolutely. I, that's one of the things that I feel like I've learned uh, that, that lesson has been driven home for me maybe more than any other thing. And that idea of how interconnected our wellness is, our, mm -hmm. our muscles and our brain and our heart and right. our lungs and everything is so interconnected. And we've said it before, Mike, what's good for your heart is good for your brain and vice versa. And 
we just need to get out there and do those things that we know are good for us that are not always easy and sometimes they're not always fun, but they're the things that we need to do to stay healthy and live right. the life that we want. Right. And what we'd like to see people do is adopt these habits, these healthy habits early in life when you're in your 20s and 30s, and that will build up your uh, ability to have a longer life. I mean, it's okay to start some of these things when you're 60, 65, or 50, but guess what? If you started these habits when you're in your 20s and 30s, well, then you're going to be a whole lot better off when you're in your 80s and 90s. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great reminder for all of us, for sure. And, and the great thing, too, like you said, um, the earlier the better, but yes. you know, today's better than tomorrow. Right. right? <laughs> exactly. So exactly. wherever you're at, today's a good day to get started on some of these practices that we, again, we know we're supposed to do, you know, right. exercise, eat right, get enough mm -hmm. sleep. Sleep is such a big one with Alzheimer's as well, isn't it? And now watch Netflix. Yes. And now <laughs> <laughs> stay engaged, right? Interact oh all, all those great things that we need to do. So, you know, we talk about these numbers and one in 10 and man, so many that are undiagnosed. Um, who, who's out there helping us create awareness for this problem? It's a big problem, and yet I feel like we don't know enough about it. Okay, so we have a group of Alzheimer's celebrity champions, and it's probably near, nearly 100 people that are, are well-known who have said, I want to help promote this cause, help increase awareness. And, and I'll just mention a few from different uh, elements of the sports and uh, af athletic world. Uh, one being Tony Hawk, pro skateboarder that uh, many of us grew up with. I think, Lil, you were known to be a skateboarder, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Tony Hawk lost his mother to Alzheimer's, and he's joined the Alzheimer's Celebrity Champions team to uh, increase and, and promote uh, awareness of the disease. Um, Bud Harrelson is another uh, person, uh, former Mets shortstop and manager. He was uh, diagnosed in 2016 and uh, died not uh, not too long after that, but part of the Alzheimer's Celebrity Champions. Wow. Um, Coco Vanderway, a tennis player, hmm. she uh, lost her grandfather to Alzheimer's. And then uh, we've got a gal on the Los Angeles Sparks of the Women's National Basketball Association, Candace Parker. Big spokesperson for us. She lost her college basketball coach, Pat Summit, with the uh, Tennessee Volunteers to Alzheimer's in 2016. So, you know, people from different walks of life, not just sports heroes and athletes, but I brought them up because of our audience here. People um, on Broadway, business people across the gamut. And, um, you know, more recently, not an Alzheimer's champion, but Jerry Sloan, yeah. Yeah. coach yeah. with the... Uh, uh, Utah Jazz, he was actually uh, participating in our walk that we had up in Park City last year Aww. and was there sharing some remarks. And that was just a terrible loss here to uh, Utah yeah. and many jazz fans and, of course, the uh, Sloan family that uh, just uh, within the last month or so. Yeah, mm -hmm. we just lost him. Yep. You mentioned the walk uh, that, you, that you held, and I think it's maybe um, appropriate to say the walks that are held mm -hmm. uh, all around the state and certainly all around the nation. Yes. Um, talk a little bit about that. You know, with, with these champions, it's great to have that celebrity endorsement and some of the weight that, that a, a celebrity, a sports figure or otherwise can throw behind a cause that can be very important. But there are things that just regular people like you and I can do to help uh, try to figure this out, right? Definitely, because our voice, when we talk to our neighbors and our friends and our uh, 
people at church and, and those we know, we can elevate the discussion and awareness. And the big walks that we have, we have eight here in Utah. We've got one on September 19th at Cedar City at SUU, right before the Huntsman Senior Games. Right. And then in October, we'll be uh, on, on the 10th at St. George at Dixie State during the Huntsman Senior Games. That's an event to bring people together to honor and, and remember those we've lost, but to also learn about the disease, uh, get access to resources, and find out what can be done. And kids in strollers all the way up to grandparents participate in these walks. And that's how we spread awareness, make people aware of resources, and come together and uh, you know, get behind this cause so that we can uh, do better and assist our friends and family affected and serving as caregivers. Awesome. Now you, now, you mentioned a couple of the walks that happen here in the state of Utah. Of course, that's where we're based, but these walks do happen all around the country and mm -hmm. I'm assuming around the world. Yes. Uh, I, I would guess that people could Google Alzheimer's Walk and find out when one is happening close to them. Is that fair to say? Yes, we have more than 600 across the country. And like many special events here in the future, we're still working on plans, knowing sure. that we may have to have a hybrid event of some kind, maybe with some virtual elements, but maybe some small group settings. So we're working through that, and we'll, of course, follow uh, state and local guidelines and our own national association. And one point of interest, you mentioned international. This weekend, Canada, across the whole country, is hosting virtual walks on Sunday, May 31st to oh, fight okay. Alzheimer's in, in, oh. in Canada. So I'm gonna uh, take part in that and just see how they work it out and how they handle the virtual event. And uh, I think it should be exciting. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, we're, we're in the same boat as you are. You know, mm -hmm. of course, we're analyzing the situation and trying to make sure that we're able to move forward with the games in a, a safe and responsible way. Um, if someone were to be interested in, in trying to be a part of this uh, Alzheimer's walk, uh, what, what does it look like? Do, do you register online? Is there a way to make a financial contribution? How, how does all that work? All right. We have a website, real simple. It's alz.org slash walk. At that point, you put in a zip code and you'll find the walk in your neighborhood in your state. And you could register for a team captain role. You could take part in a team if it's already on the books. And at that point, you would sign up to be a part of the walk. And, and there is no fee to be a part of these walks. We know it's so important to have people there that uh, financial engagement we like, but not necessary. We want the people to participate. So when you do sign up, you start uh, receiving information about the walk. And typically, there's about a 60 to 90 minute registration time period from 8.30 to 10, where people gather take part in vendor booths and resource activities like that with a ceremony at 10 and then about a two mile walk at about 1020. And that's the standard format across the country, pretty much in any environment. And there'll be different elements depending on that environment, but the gathering time, the ceremony and the walk, those are the three key elements with great resource sharing, family members and information and the activity itself. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's get behind this. You know, um, there's so much good that can be done by just being aware and yes, and know what's going on. And of course, as you said, you're more than happy to accept financial donations. And it does take funding and it takes mm -hmm. money to study and to understand 
uh, what's going on with Alzheimer's, but man, one in 10 wow. American adults over the age of 65, mm. those are huge numbers. We will all be affected mm -hmm. in one way or another by Alzheimer's yeah. and it's a cause that's worth kind of getting behind. So make sure you're Googling um, Alzheimer's walk uh, on, on your computer to figure out when that is in your area. Mm -hmm. You said alz.org slash walk. Yes. That's kind of the centralized location that would have information about uh, where people can find uh, where the, the, the closest walk to them is taking place. Yes. Um, wonderful cause to get behind. Um, I, I want to delve into one of these uh, statistics that you had shared earlier. You said this, that so many people are undiagnosed. One in four um, are, are diagnosed. So that means three out of four are undiagnosed. Is that, mm -hmm. is that what I'm understanding? Wow. Yes. How do you get diagnosed? What's the, what's the way that you find out? It'll typically start with your primary care physician. And if you're in the age of Medicare, that can be a part of your annual checkup. And there's a screening that will take place. And at that point, your primary care physician could actually, if there looks to be cognitive decline, take the next step with a more detailed examination or make a referral to a neurologist or a psychologist. But that initial screening can become the baseline. And then from that annually, there will be a check to see if cognitive awareness is on par, stable, or is it declining? And that's really important that that step take place and that we as the consumer ask for that test. There was a interesting study with results of the last couple of months that a lot of primary care physicians don't feel prepared to help with that diagnosis and the care plan after there might be a diagnosis that is made. So that kind of factors into physicians not maybe wanting to make that diagnosis because now we're at a point where we can't help our patient. Yeah. And you know that's why advocacy is important, promoting the resources to healthcare providers and family members is key because it's, it's an emerging disease that's continuing to grow and putting healthcare practitioners kind of in a tough dynamic. And that, that makes it tough. So we as consumers need to advocate for the testing and do some research on our own to be aware of the signs of Alzheimer's, how to be a good caregiver, and how to share information with those up and down our family line so we can all be uh, better prepared. That makes a lot of sense. So you start with your primary caregiver, uh, ask yes. for the screen, just say, Hey, I'm, I'm interested. Now, let me ask you this. Do you, do you recommend that you wait until you're starting to feel some of the effects of what you think might be Alzheimer's or is it a good idea to get in there early and set that baseline? You know, 60 age of 65 is kind of the first hurdle that, that is when, uh, you know, you see a lot of cases of, of the more than 5 million cases of Alzheimer's in the United States, about 200,000 are ca classified as young onset, younger than 65. So it, it's a small number. We don't recommend early testing unless perhaps there's a family history or you're starting to feel like you're losing your sharpness, having some cognitive impairment. So 65 is, is a fine time to start that testing process. That's good advice. Yeah. Well, Mike, once again, the, that's the time that we have for you. But once again, thank you for joining us. Yes, great, thank you. Great information. Great to be uh, here. ALZ.org is the website to get information about Alzheimer's. 
and it. it's it's worth the time to kind of make yourself aware of what's yeah. going on. Wonderful. Yep. Well, sure thank you. It. And hopefully we'll have you back again sometime with more information on the progress that we're making. Sounds good. I look forward to that. Thanks, yes. Mike. So Lil. Yes. Registration I know. is open still it's for the Husband World Senior Games, and athletes are indeed registering. If you're 50 years of age or older, you qualify. And hey, we're in the middle of this thing, this COVID-19 thing. <laughs> yes, we, we are. We don't have a crystal ball, but we're going to keep our eye on everything that's going on. Uh, we're putting together plans that mm -hmm. we can have in place that can help us hold the games if it is indeed safe for us to do so. Mm -hmm. We're monitoring the situation. Check out SeniorGames.net for all the latest information on COVID-19 and our response, as well as information on how you can register for the Huntsman World Senior Games. The dates for the 2020 games are October 5th through the 17th. If you have any feedback for us about the show, please shoot us an email mm -hmm. at activelife at seniorgames.net and we'll respond to that and try to make our show better. Remember to tune in live next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. We take this live show, we turn it into a podcast, and you can subscribe to that podcast pretty much anywhere that podcasts are found. If you're listening by podcast, take a moment, give us a rating, write a quick review. One of the best and easiest places to do that is at podchaser.com slash theactivelife. You can, of course, find this and previous shows right on our website. Again, that is SeniorGames.net, so check that out. Today's inspirational thought, Lil. Are you ready? I'm ready. There is no elevator to success. You have to take the stairs. Oh, very nice. Until next Thursday, stay active. Stay active.